The reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 9 to 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, he asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, I'm just going to invite Mark up. He's going to pray. Let's pray. Father, it's an incredible privilege to sit under the ministry of your word for all of us. But, Lord, as our pastor, Lord, we know, Lord, he does so humbly. And therefore, we pray, Lord, for a fresh anointing of your spirit upon him, that, Lord, he may be a conduit through which you speak to us, that you might indeed open the eyes of our hearts, that we might see him through all that our pastor says. So come, Holy Spirit. Anoint afresh for Jesus' sake. <coughs> so I found watching uh, telly idly, like I find myself many evenings doing to, to occupy myself, to waste time. And I don't know how many of you have come across this, but uh, they do a program, um, and it's often titled something like the 50 most um it's normally they're repeated kind of every three or four months it's just stock footage that they use and i caught myself watching the 50 most embarrassing moments in football as a football fan i'd seen this my gosh more times than i'd care to remember but i always find it amusing i always find it engaging and one of the top two i can't remember which order it is which is why i've made sure i'm not in trouble for saying the wrong order but one of the top two was gary neville now, Gary Neville was uh, a professional footballer. He played defence for Manchester United. Um, and he's now moved on to being a pundit for Sky Sports. And anyone who has engaged with Sky Sports since he's been there will know that he is a very passionate gentleman. Sometimes misguided, but he is very passionate. And the clip that they had shown was, a question was asked to him. Gary, what's the problem in the English game at the moment? Why is there so much diving in the English game? His response was interesting. His first response was this. When you used to go to a restaurant, they would bring you bread and a lump of butter. Now, they bring you bread, a lump of butter, olives, meat, and cheese. He was back. His second response, which is a personal favorite of mine, is he said this. When I was younger, if I had coffee and I put milk in it, I had a milky coffee. If I have a coffee and I put milk in it now, I've got a latte. He said, you know what? It's these influences that are ruining the British game. Ruining the British game. I'm not necessarily sure that it's coffee's fault. 
But he was drawing a very interesting line between a culture shift and everything he'd always known. And he didn't like it. He found it uncomfortable. He was what we would understand as an old school footballer. And like the food that he ate and the coffee that he drank, the culture around him was changing. His response might be humorous, but I think there's something very telling in it. It leaves us asking the question of what do we hold on to the tightest? What do we hold on to the tightest? What is it in our culture, in our belief system, in the way we do life that makes us hold on tight, refusing to let go? The things we think are right, the things that we know lead to the best results. Are we stuck with coffee and milk? Or are we ready to embrace new cultures, new ways of doing things, new challenges? Are we willing to try a latte, despite having many of us drunk them all our lives without ever really knowing it? Today's reading was one of those moments, milky coffee versus latte. It was one of those moments where culture was meeting a new way of doing things, and the collision to see. Jesus is ushering in this new culture, a new way of doing things. And in doing so, he created a question for the Pharisees who looked on. The question was this, are you willing to change? It's the question he posed to the Pharisees, are you willing to change? And it's the question I want us to consider this morning, ourselves. Are we willing to change? Are we willing to change the things we've always known, we've always done? Because what we see here is Jesus doing something that I believe we should remember daily. Jesus is challenging the culture. I also believe that Jesus is creating what I'm coming to become very fond of in the Gospels, a Marmite moment. There is very little middle ground with Marmite. You love it or you hate it. There are very few people I've ever met in life who go, I'm partial. I don't mind it on toast, but that's about as far as it goes. Jesus is creating a moment. And that moment is saying, you are either for me or you are going to stand against me. A Marmite moment. I wonder what would happen if I said to you that um, I run my morning by a timer. When I'm here with you, I have a conscience of what the time is doing, and I follow it. So if I showed my timer, now how many of you would be suddenly very twitchy? Because you have not got an hour to give to me this morning. But I promise you I will not go over that timer. Suddenly you're worried, you've got plans, you've got things to do. Some of you might be sat there going, at last, a decent length message. Others might be going, you know what, this is brilliant because that dinner reservation we had, I did not want to go with the family. So Tim, you talk away. If you can double that, that would be awesome. But you've got a culture, you've got a, an understanding. Maybe some of you, if I said, actually, this was my timer, would breathe a sigh of relief. You know what, I could probably ignore him for 14 and a half minutes and get to that cup of tea. Some of you are sat there wondering, why did you even bother coming out this morning? If this is all I'm going to sit here for, what was the point? Can't do a real church service. You can't say anything of worth in 15 minutes. But it creates an interesting question for us because for many of us, we've come to church this morning deciding what we want. We've already arrived and we've already decided what God's going to give us, what we want to take. Be it how long I'll speak for, 
albeit what is becoming very apparent, which is a consumer mindset. A consumer mindset. We walk into church and we stand there with our spiritual trolley and we begin to collect things from the shelves. Don't like that song. Ignoring that. Not a fan. That prayer was too long. Love the reading Hannah gave. You know what? I just need to get to a cup of tea or a coffee. I'm so glad they were here. We suddenly have come deciding that what we get from this morning are the things that we choose to select. We have set a culture. And it's on our terms and on our agenda. We want things to be how we want them. I believe here is where we see the danger. Here is where we see the danger because Jesus steps in and he says, you know what, I am creating a new culture. A culture that takes the focus off of self and redirects it towards me. And sadly, as we see then, and I think too often we see now, that new culture he ushers in stands against maybe where we find ourselves most comfortable. In the reading that Alan brought us, we see Jesus eating with Matthew. Something he does frequently. Jesus loves a mealtime. And he's eating with Matthew and surrounding them are other tax collectors. The Pharisees ask this question. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and with sinners? Why does your teacher sit with tax collectors and sinners? Incredibly poignant question. Something that we need to understand here, though, which is key, is who the Pharisees were. I want to say something that might be a little bit uncomfortable for some people, but I do not believe the Pharisees were the biblical bad guys. I do not believe that wholeheartedly. The more time I've read about them, the more time I've spent, the more I realize I am dangerously close to one of them than maybe I'd care to admit. You see, the Pharisees had a very important role. They were the keepers of the Mosaic law. They were the keepers of the law. That was important. And they believed that that law and the keeping of it was what would set them apart as God's people. It was the keeping of the law that set them apart, that allowed them to be the people that God wanted them to be. So I understand why they got precious about it when someone came in with these crazy new cultures, with their latte, with their bread and olives. Sometimes what we have as important to us, sometimes the things that we consider crucial become things that we are so determined to protect, become so much a value, a way of life, that we begin to elevate the thing. For the Pharisees, it was the law. For us, it might be the communion table, the fact that we have drums in church. Maybe it's because we have great filter coffee. Maybe it's because we still have the pews, and that is an important part of church. These are things that subconsciously we begin to believe make us who we are. They are the things we believe add up to making us good Christians. And therefore, we want to protect them.
the Pharisees who asked that question of the disciples were expectant of a Messiah. They were waiting. They knew he was coming and he was going to be a king. And he was going to raise up in the line of David a kingship that would dominate the Romans and would take back power for them and would stand strong. That's what they were waiting for. The Pharisees were not bad people. They were not bad people. They may have been misguided. They may have invested some of their policies in the wrong places, but they were not bad people. And we read in this verse that they are wrestling with a Jesus who's come in and begun to change things. With a Jesus who's become, uh, sorry, come in and mixing with the sinners, mixing with the unclean. They had their coffee and they added milk to it and they called it milky coffee. That was their understanding, black and white. And Jesus comes in with a new culture, a new way of doing things. For the metaphor's sake, a latte. But this is key. It's the same core. The same core. The entity in the middle is the same. It is still coffee and milk. It is still Jesus at the center. Different name, different approach, widely available to all, but it was difficult for them to grasp. So I want to ask you again the question, and I'm asking it myself. Are we willing to change? Or are we so set in our ways, so set in our belief structure, that we are not willing to maybe accept a new culture? Maybe a less popular way of asking the question is, are we so willing to hold on to what we believe and value and find comfort in that we will close those doors to the lost? Because that's what the Pharisees were doing. Bit by bit by bit, people waiting for a Messiah were shutting the very door they thought they were leaving open. And we do the same thing. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees were not bad people. Please hear that. We dismiss so much of the learning we can get from them by going, baddies, pantomime villains, we're behind you. That's how we see them too often. They were not bad people. They were the keepers of the law. And they were so set on keeping the law that they began to hedge it in. They began to hedge it in. They had the law. And they couldn't break the law because it was the law that allowed God to know they were his people. So what they then did was added another law to protect the law. And another law to protect the law that protected the law. Because if you broke that law, at least you hadn't broken the law. And you begin to see the mess these poor people got themselves in. They started with 10 from Moses. It gained momentum. We find them at about 613. I read somewhere that the way it breaks down is that there are 365 negative laws in that 613. You can break a law a day and still not come close to have broken all of them for a whole year and still not come close. 
But the Pharisees believed that to keep those laws was to remain right. To keep the laws was how you remained in with God. That's why they did it. And people would need to follow 613 laws to stay in. It's a lot like, you might have been wondering why, our Russian dolls. Because they had the law. And they knew that it was the law that set them apart. That God came down and met with Moses. 